0: One of our favorite spots ever, and we haven't been in years. And so we uh, packed up the car, and everybody got in, and we started driving down. And uh, my two older kids had this stop that they had to make. And so uh, this stop was uh, inspired by Cindy and Pastor Ryan. Um, and uh, I, I hated the idea of this stop. I hated it, right? I love Oregon, no sales tax, but I hated the idea of this stop, and, and so uh, we're packing up, and decide to roll in and do our thing and, and make this stop, and the stop was at the Crocs store. You ever heard of Crocs? They are the most awful shoes ever, and so... Pastor Ryan loves them. Cindy loves them, and they wear them. Uh, Just, just so you know, let me let me preach. Uh, uh, (laughs) They are so awful, right? Don't. crocks at me. Uh, it's so awful. And so uh, this is my thought. My, we're getting ready. We're doing this. And I'm like, babe, we, no, 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 we're not going to make this stop. No. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. And Noah had it in his mind, you know. Uh, he's got a job, so he's got money burning a hole in his pocket. And so, uh, so we said, okay, fine, fine. We'll, we'll do this stop. And so we get there, and uh, we have all of it. So we're just, I'm walking around outside. They never enter in that zone. Uh, oh, awful place. And so we finally get to the place where we wanted to go, and, and Lily got a pair of Crocs, and Noah got a pair of Crocs, and they put these little doodads in them. Uh, Noah got like this pug picture that he shoved in and Lily got a banana and all kinds of doodads, right? So I don't even know what they're called. What are they called? Okay, doodads. And so, uh, right, so then, then, then long story short, we finally get, we get home after all this travel and, uh, and, and the kids, they have this habit of leaving their shoes by the door. And so I'm constantly rushing different places. And how convenient is it that these shoes are there? And so I, I put them on. And uh, it's a beautiful day in my neighborhood. I put them on. And I just, I still like, oh, they're so awful. But, but uh, these are Noah's. Uh, and I put them on, and, and, and I felt like, like I was walking in heaven. Oh, they're so nice. And I, I mean, I, I, I just like, I had this idea set, and then just the other day, and was like, Dad, can you not, don't, don't you take pictures, John. Uh. Uh, Dad, can you not wear my Crocs? They're, they're hot and s- sweaty when you take them off. But they're so, so nice. I can't tell you how nice they are. They're awful looking. They're, they're repulsive. But boy, you stick your feet in them and they're, oh... So nice. And so, I mean, I just, I I find myself, I think I wear them more than my kids do uh, since we got back. But what was interesting about that, it relates to what we're talking about this morning. And so, in my mind, and I like shoes, right? I like shoes a lot. In my mind, I had this judgment about these things and I believe that that judgment was right. I mean, I was quick to it. I, I didn't even go to the, into that awful place. Uh, and then I put my feet into it, and it's like, oh, oh it's so nice. Yes. So if you have your Bible, can you please turn to Matthew chapter 7? Matthew chapter 7. And yes, I'm going to preach with these on because I think I just might be a little bit happier. (laughs) Uh, Verse 1, it says this. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, "Let me take that speck out of your eye," when all the time there is this plank in your own eye, you hypocrite? First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Wow. Well, I mean, it just pretty much says it. I mean, from the get-go, it says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you will judge, u- in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use, you, it will be measured to you. So we look at this idea of, of not to judge. We see it time. I mean, we see people judging all the time. You can't get on Facebook or any other social media site and see all these courageous people that judge, right? Uh, And so, so we see it all the time, right? I mean, you can have the most sweet and sincere Sear and beautiful, life-changing article, and there's somebody down in the comment section, I hate her hair. You know, it's just something, right? It just seems like it's prominent. And then we read the scripture, and it says, don't judge. Does that really mean that I can't judge? Does that really mean that I'm not supposed to judge? And I mean, because, I mean, not only do we see that, but, but if you, you're like me, and you have friends, I mean, I have friends uh, all kinds of different friends from all kinds of different environments. And, and I remember growing up, uh, different friends would get tattoos that says, Only God can judge. Is that true? Can only God judge? Where, where's the line in that? Can we judge? I mean, we look in Scripture, and, it, and, and in Scripture it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, right? So, and it talks about how you will know someone by their fruit, You'll know that they love God uh, uh, by their love one for another. And in fact, we're really judging, aren't we? We base something of someone based off of the fruit that's produced in their life. So, So is it really what it's trying to get out that we can't judge? Is that really what Jesus is getting at? I was like asking all these questions and going through this process myself, and I'm like, man, am I not to judge? I mean, I'm supposed to be wise. I'm supposed to be discerning. I'm supposed to be careful. Isn't that true? That that's kind of judging. Is that what he's talking about here? The word for judge is this word called k r i n o crino crino, and this word. Means to it means to condemn, it means to avenge, and it means to levy punishment. Now, now let's back up. Uh, you, you've heard that verse, John three sixteen. It says, "For uh, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life." You know what the word the verse after that talks about? Jesus says, for I did not come into the world to condemn the world. Wait, condemn, there's that word again. Condemn. And so so when I look at this and when I read this over and over again and this idea that this word judges is condemn and then I see that God doesn't come to condemn but he comes to give life, right? So how, how does that work and what does that look like? And so, so would you walk through this process with me in this? So if Jesus didn't come to condemn, I, I, I want to make a suggestion here. That God convicts, right? So God convicts. And what that means is that, that he, he, he shows us our sin, which there is supposed to be from that a contrition of a heart. And from that contrition of heart, you know the broken heart, a sad heart, you know contrition, right? So contrition is that that because of my sin, because of what I've done to God, it draws me to be sorrowful, to be remorseful, to be apologetic. That's why we say, God forgive us our sins, right? And the whole idea, the whole thought be behind convicting is that is that i go from contrition to change and then i go from change to compassion right and so so when we look at this conviction is meant david can i borrow you for a second you don't mind being around my cool my son's cool okay sit down sit down so 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 when we look at this word convict it's this idea that David will be God, he's not God, for sure, definitely not God, Uh, is that God convicts my heart, which causes contrition, which causes change, right, which causes compassion, and that drives me closer to God, that's what conviction is, and so, so when we sit in here, or when we're in an environment like this, and, and, and God's word is being shared, and all of a sudden you get that feeling deep down inside, it's almost like butterflies sometimes, where it's just you know, you know something's off, you know something's wrong, and and, and God brings these ideas or thoughts to your head, and you're like, oh, God, I don't deserve you. That's conviction. Condemning condemning means there's no hope for me. The The difference between condemning and conviction is conviction draws me to God. Condemning draws me away from God. And God's heart is always that we would draw near to him, that we would seek him out, that we would do it with contrition. And then that contrition would lead to change, and that change would lead to compassion for others. That's how, that's how, so when I read this verse and it says, do not judge or you too will be judged, what is saying, what is saying, don't come, don't go your conclusions. Don't all of a sudden look at something or someone and make a judgment and stand by it. Are you following me? It's being, I'm going to take a look, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm quick to that. It's like me, you want to hold this for a second? Okay, I'll set it on your lap. Uh, quick, it's like me, the, the judgment that I made with these crocs. I mean, oh, they're ugly, they're awful, they can't be a good shoe. Any shoe that's kind of out of a mold and just kind of plops out, it doesn't sound like a good shoe, but they're so nice. Right? I came to a quick judgment, but my judgment was wrong. And I know you're looking at me going, boy, it's still wrong. That's okay. They're so nice. Right, And so when we read this and it says, do not judge or you too will be judged. It's this idea or this mindset. Don't be quick to judgment. Don't be quick to rush into judgment. But be slow in it. Be cautious in it. Because love is the best. And when God convicts us, it's to drive him to him. Drive us to him. Are you following me in this? Now, now let's look at the second part. It says that in the same way, in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Oh, Here's what's really interesting that I found out through my studies. You can go, well. Yeah, this is fun having you up here. Okay. That the, the, the rabbis taught about two ways that God judges during this time in this culture. And they're super prominent. So, so when, when all these people were standing before Jesus or sitting before Jesus, well, Jesus sat and people typically stood while he taught. Well, Jesus is sitting there, standing and listening to all that he has to say, all that he's talking about, right? And so when he says, uh, in the same measure... They're they're immediately picturing this two ways that God judges. Because it was a a dominant school of thought. Everybody knew it. Everybody consider it. There's two ways that God would judge and how they saw this. So the first one was this, justly. That God judges justly. Here's what's amazing. It's despite what we believe in, despite what we've experienced, God is always just. He, he can't back down from it. He, it's who he is. He's right. He's always right. He's always just. Right? So, so we look at it, and, that's, and just is this idea that I get what I deserve. Exactly how much I deserve and exactly how I deserve it. Not too much, not too little. God's just. It's perfect in every way. I get exactly what I deserve. The second second way that God judges is mercifully. God judges mercifully. Now, mercifully is a whole different idea or thought. When God judges mercifully... I get what I don't deserve. And so so when it says this, do not judge or you will too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. All of a sudden they're getting this picture. Just God, merciful God. And so they're going, oh how am I gonna judge? I mean I get this idea that I'm gonna be slow to judge. That I'm not going to make these quick assumptions, but I'm going to be slow in that process. But in that process, am I going to be just, or am I going to be merciful? And now that's that's an amazing picture. God gives us an option. Isn't it amazing that He gives an option? And here, Psalm 145, verse 8 says this: 8 and 9, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. Slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. That word compassion can also translate that God is merciful. God is gracious and merciful. Slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has mercy on all he has made wow so we have this choice we have this option now now in view of god's mercy in view of god's mercy says scripture says in view of god's mercy let us a, approach the throne of god with boldness And view of God's mercy, mercy, mercy. Now that's an interesting word, isn't it? Mercy. Back in my day when we were kids, we played this game. Go ahead, stand up. It was called mercy. Go ahead, put your hands out. Come on, come on. I'm not going to really play it. We're not going to play it. Because I'm preaching, remember? I'm preaching. I'm preaching. Do you remember? I don't know how to play this game. Okay, good. But I know And and so, so mercy, come on over here. So mercy is this game that we would play as kids, which I do not encourage it at all. And what you do, see, he's getting ready to push, but you don't push at all. You bend, and you bend, and you bend, and then you go, ah, and then you cry out, mercy! And then they relent, right? And so, if God is a merciful, go ahead, sit down. If God is a merciful God, if God is a merciful God, that means that he needs to be merciful for something. Are you following me? Because God doesn't, isn't anything that's outside of his character. Right? If God is a just God, and just means that we get what we deserve, and God is a merciful God, and merciful means that we get what we don't deserve. So here's the picture, here's the idea that's throughout all of scripture, is that you and I, from the very beginning, have been at war with God. Bible says that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible also says that for the wages, the payment of my sin is death. So if God's a just God, if he is who he says he is, if he's completely true to his character, which he is, he always is, scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. What that means is that if God is just and I'm at war with him, I'm against him, I'm opposed to him, that means that there's there's a payment for that. There's a penalty for that. Because God's just. Now here's what's so amazing about God. God is fully just, but he's also fully merciful. So when I approach God, when I approach God with a contrite heart, the Bible says that I become a new creation. He changes me. And from that change, he drives compassion in us and through us to others, right? Because if you remember at the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount, it says this, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. So this idea of judge and the measure in which we judge I think, should pull us to a merciful God. And not only should it pull us to a merciful God, but it should cause us to be merciful. Right? God's a just God. We get what we deserve, but if we approach him with a contrite heart, he's merciful. That mercy leads to change in me. That bitterness, that anger, that hatred, that bigotry, that uh, that judgmental idea or mentality, all of a sudden changes, right? And all of a sudden, we look at others with compassion. Now, if we keep on, he keeps on re-emphasizing this idea. Now, look at it with that idea of mercy. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye? Isn't that an idea of mercy? Have you ever had something stuck in your eye? I remember as a little boy, I lived in Mapton, Washington, which is nowhere. Just, just know it's nowhere. It's nowhere right? And my mom's boyfriend, Richard, uh, he was, he was uh, yeah, anyways. He's Richard. Okay, so i am just maybe not describe Richard. So Richard, well, he was a hippie. Richard was a hippie that grew weed uh, in his greenhouse and sold it to the community, right? So, and Richard was super handy, super smart guy. He could build anything out of nothing. And uh, Richard was remodeling his grandma's house and turning it into an apartment right and i remember uh there's this big hole that there was a piece of plywood on top of it and underneath the plywood was a well right so you know, boy get away from there yeah okay so i get away from there and then richard i was always i know it's hard to believe but i was consistently into everything right and i was up close to everything so wherever richard went i went whatever he was doing i went except Uh, black widows. I did not like black widows. And so the way that he kept me from a place that I wasn't supposed to go, he said, boy, there are black widows over there. I wouldn't go if there. So I stayed away, right? Anyway, so focus back to Richard. He was pouring cement. Is it cement or cement? Cement. Okay. He was pouring cement. And uh, uh, one of the pieces of cement got in my eye. Just a little, it was just a little dab, And I looked like, Aah! And I was crying, and I was blinking as hard as I could. Tears were coming out. It wasn't coming out. And, and Rich was like, what happened? Oh, you got cement in your eye. So he opens up my eyeball, and he says his tongue out, and licks it out. That's awesome, right? Perfect. And so Richard got that out of my eye like nobody's business. And, and so, so, so now let, let's look at this again with compassion. It says, it says uh, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. Okay, now it's telling us how to walk through this. Right? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See mercy there. Do you see it? But the pattern is different than what we want to do, right? Because we know what's best for everybody else, but we have no idea or clue what's best for me. And what's so interesting, at least for me, and maybe you're on the same board as me, is that, is that oftentimes I'm quick to judge when it's something that I struggle with. <laughs> oh, I'm quick to judge when it's something that I struggle with. See, this, this is why uh, having a family is so amazing. Because you've got all these people that, that are so similar to you, and you have the hardest time with the ones that have the hardest time with what you have. Are you following me in this? Do you get this? Or is, is this new to you? Okay. So, so this idea it says, you hypocrites, first take the plank out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly uh, to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Wow. So, so when... When we look at this idea of judging others and, and judging, if we look at it from a merciful perspective, God calls us to help others. He moves us to help others. He moves us to have compassion on others. He moves us to mercy. In fact, oftentimes when we read through the book, or through, through books in scripture, we see that idea. Jesus has compassion on people and he moves with compassion and he does the miraculous. More often than not we see we see how Jesus has compassion on someone that's blind. We see how Jesus had compassion on someone that's lame or demon possessed or broken or hurt and he had compassion and not only did he have compassion but he moved based on that compassion which led to change and transformation in people's lives. And see God still does that. And the difference is that he does it through you and I. And in that, he calls us to be merciful. And see, what's so interesting about starting with me, about checking myself, this, is that when we check ourselves, when we start with me, when we start with me, it moves us to mercy. Why does it move us to mercy? Because you know what we realize? Is that we're all in the struggle together. And we all face similar things. Sometimes we want to announce it. Most of the time we don't. We try to hide it and stuff it in. And so when we, when we come to evaluation. God, search me and know me. If there's any wicked way in me, show me. Lead me to the way of everlasting. So evaluation, when I open my heart to God, when I ask him to search me, it leads to conviction. And again, the difference between conviction and condemnation is conviction draws us to God. He convicts us, and from that conviction should lead us to contrition. It should lead us to the point of where I can't, Jesus can. I'm sorry, God, I need you. I desperately need you. Contrition should lead to change. Sometimes we stop at contrition. I'm sorry, please forgive me. But don't let them change us. We don't let them make us new. We don't make efforts to stay away from that, to distance ourselves from that sin. And when we don't distance, it makes it so much easier draws us in so much closer. Evaluation leads to conviction. Conviction to contrition. Contrition to change. And change leads to compassion. So when we read this scripture, when we see what God desires for us, can I ask you this question? How do you want God to judge you? Do you want them to be merciful? Now, the next question should lead us to how, how do we judge others? What is it that we often put on others? Go back earlier. Oftentimes we struggle the most in judging others by the thing that we struggle with the most. Is that true? What is it for you? Conviction leads to contrition. That thing that you just put in your head, are you willing to swallow your pride? and ask God for his forgiveness are you willing to humble yourself and ask God to change you see if we stop at contrition and don't move to change we operate in a totally different model of judging. And if we fail to have compassion, we fail to bring Jesus where we go. And He's our healer. He's He's the only way we receive peace. He's the only one that can make us whole. He's the only one that could take the brokenness and repair it. You see, God's merciful and God's just. And he's fully just and fully merciful. So what is it that's in your eye that you need to go to him with contrition and you need to be willing to let him change. Would you just take a moment with me and bow your head, please? As your head is bowed, I just want a moment between you and God. God. What is it? What is it that's blocking your sight? Perhaps it's pride. Perhaps it's anger or bitterness. Perhaps it's your lack of control. What is it? Perhaps it's your attitude. You're always right. As you have that pictured in your head, would you just take a moment just to say, God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Convict me when that comes to my mind or to my mouth or to my, my eyes. Search me and know me. Forgive me, God. Holy Spirit. Would you just ask the Holy Spirit to just change you in that area? Holy Spirit, empower us. Give us the power to live differently, to be changed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you just look at me for a moment? If you just took a moment to ask God to change you, your next step is to ask him to use you. God is amazing at using the things that have been broken in us, the things that we've failed, things that are flawed that are offset to change others around us because change leads to compassion and if it doesn't lead to compassion in you then I would suggest that you go back ask God to convict you what needs to change because it compassion. And then on the same end, one little side note. This is also saying that when I deal with the stuff in me, that I'm less likely to go after the other person even if you're 99.9% sure that you're right, we still draw back. We still ask God, convict me. And we respond to that conviction. with We respond to the conviction with change and change with compassion. Would you stand with me this morning? God, thank you so much for your word. You are so amazing. God, I thank you that you're not just limited to a building, but you're wherever we go. So God, I ask that we would be a people of conviction. That we would respond to the conviction you placed on our hearts with contrition. And that contrition will lead to change and compassion. God, may we be a people that seek first the kingdom of God everywhere we go, and all that we say, and especially in our daily lives, in our hearts and our minds, in our words. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Bless you guys. We need help getting tables somewhere.